Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Master Truck Roundtable. I'm Regional Master Truck Marty Miller here, as always, with my co-host, good friend, Wendy Betts. Wendy, how are you doing? I'm good, Marty. How are you? Good. And of course, let's put up, yes, you, I should have said fellow regional master instructor. I'm just, you know, I went right yeah. to good friend. So, you know, friend works. Let's just go with that. <laughs> That's more important. Exactly. But I don't want to take any of your amazing credentials away from you. Oh, well, I appreciate that. So, you know what? You just get me, you get me for this, this session. So I'm excited to be here. I'm excited about our topic today. Because um, I think we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, you know, Marty and I often talk about exercises that we do very often um, with our clients. And, you know, we have seen more and more shoulder issues, um, especially since the pandemic and everything that's happened. And I think it's because people have been sitting more. They've been in front of computers. Technology is killing all of us, as we know, with the forward head and the rounded shoulders. And so therefore, we're, you know, hearing people talk more about discomfort in their shoulders, or I feel like I've got some impingement or popping or this, that and the other. And so instead of just doing the regular open chain type exercises today, we're going to talk about some closed chain, which actually I just did with my own clients today. Um, and they're super hard to do if you do them right. And I well, see now I'm going to ask you, did you do them with or did you instruct your client too? Because I did some today because it was that type of workout for me today. So I'm just asking the difference in what you said there. Well, so, I mean, when we get into the nitty gritty and we show you kind of what we're talking about and what exactly a closed chain exercise is, um, I do a lot of things with the speed ladder on the hands. As you guys know, you've seen videos, you've heard me talk about it a lot. And so today they went and they're doing a phase two and um and so instead of doing a bunch of just stability work on a ball and everything we um went from like for example we were doing chest and shoulders they did their inclined chest presses right into a speed ladder on their hands and so push-ups with walkovers walk-ins walks out walkouts um things in frontal plane things in transverse plane it was really really difficult for them but i have to show them so to answer that question i went down and back and had had to go through my own set in order to show them exactly what I was looking for. And That's then fair. I had them do it on their own. That's fair. But also, as you know, Wendy, it's going to come up at some point. If I can get that accidental exercise more bang for my buck, that's the beauty of these exercises we show them is you can get a lot done and it helps with your programming if you know everything that's happening. And sometimes for those people that are on a time constraint, sometimes really being able to pick these type of exercises that way they're not like, ah, I can't get a workout in today. Five to 10 minutes of having your hands on the ground is a lot for some people. Yes. And you know what? You would be surprised too, depending on what exercises you choose, how quickly your heart rate goes up. And I think sometimes we take that for granted as well. So if you do have clients that, you know, um, or, you know, you're trying to strengthen their stabilizers, you're working the muscles of the shoulders and in, in a variety of different ways, keep in mind when you start adding movement with the upper body, it really does like enhance the cardiovascular system. And so people are out of breath, they're really tired and they're like, I don't know if I can do this. And these are professional athletes guys. So when I say this stuff is really challenging, these are guys that you know are at the top of their game. However, when you break it down and you really focus on form technique and, um, and exercise selection, it can make a huge difference which is going to translate and transfer into something. I think when they start playing and throwing and doing the stuff that they're doing, it's a, it's a win-win for both. I agree. 
Yeah. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about the closed chain shoulder exercises with Wendy Batts and Marty Miller on the Master Instructor Roundtable. So we are going to do a quick review of the muscles of the shoulders. I mean, yes, when I say quick review, there's two different slides of it. Um, so we're not going to go through each and every muscle, but we will show you the muscles of the shoulders. And then Marty and I chose kind of seven of our favorites and why they work. I like it. There you have it. There's the muscles. There's muscles. Who knew? Right. Shocker. <laughs> so the key thing here is there's different, as people come into NASM, or if you're watching us getting into the fitness industry, some people have a formalized background and they know exactly what these muscles are, what they do. So this is something that Wendy and I will encourage you to, first and foremost, if you watch the form and technique, the five kinetic chain checkpoints, a lot of these things will fall into place. But we really do want you to start to understand the muscles, what their main objectives are from, you know, concentric, eccentric and isometric. But that's where if, if these terms are new to you and you're not really comfortable, that's where we always suggest maybe looking at the corrective exercise specialist because we do go more into the anatomy. Because as you're designing programs, you know, we have to understand what each part of the body is supposed to do, not supposed to do, what the right form and technique is. But you can see there's a lot of muscles that make up the shoulder, right? And this is just that first slide so far. So you got your rotator cuff muscles. Those are the deep muscles underneath the deltoids. So if you look at the top three right there, those are all rotator cuff muscles. And if we skip down to the fifth one, the teres minor is the fourth rotator cuff muscle. Then you have teres major. Then you, so those people kind of try to know what to do. And I see people doing all kinds of crazy internal external rotation there. Wendy, they're almost making it like an integration technique, like a full body technique, but maybe on another master director round table, we'll talk more just about how to really isolate the rotator cuff. But then we have the muscles that most people know how to train, the anterior deltoid, the lateral deltoid, the posterior deltoid, but you do have to count in the pec major minor because it is a shoulder flexor. So these are that first group of muscles that we have to focus on. But the reason we're doing closed chain, we're going to get to that in a minute, is we want to work from the inside out, just like we do a core. We don't want those big global muscles really strong and developed if the little local intrinsic muscles can't keep the joint in the joint in the right position and can't be um, if they if it fatigues too soon. So this is why you'll see with closed chain exercises or even if you do open chain for that rotator cuff, it's higher repetition slower tempo because it needs to have muscular endurance yeah and i think it's important too when you think about it you know you've got you know your your humerus which is obviously your 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 um upper bone in your in your arm and then you've got your rotator cuff and you know as you just said marty you just mentioned the muscles of the rotator cuff and when you have forward shoulders and a forward head then what that does is that brings your humerus, you know, the humeral head into like the, the anterior portion of the shoulder capsule. And so when people have rounded shoulders, your degrees of freedom is actually limited. And then you get these, you know, you, you hear about, oh my goodness, I feel like I've got this impingement or my shoulder really hurts. And, you know, they just kind of rub it around and everything. Well, it's because you've got to think you've got those two notches that are actually on that bone. That's actually in the front of that, that shoulder capsule, instead of sitting in the middle where it's supposed to lie. And therefore, you know, it's constantly rubbing on those anterior muscles of the shoulder capsule, which over time, when you hear people that, oh, I've got these, you know, frayed muscles. Well, it's because, you know, if you did this over and over and over again on a muscle, of course, it's eventually going to wear down. And that's why it's so important when we talk about making sure that you've got proper alignment, you've got good positioning, 
you know, like if you notice that someone has rounded shoulders, yes, you're going to go hopefully through the, um, you know, the keeping the chin back, keeping the shoulders back and really trying to focus on muscles that are going to bring that bone and that position back where it's supposed to be. And then start to incorporate some of these other exercises, because unfortunately, Marty, you hear this too. You know, if someone's got, you know, rounded shoulders, they did like a whole chest, chest day, and then they go back the next day and today is a shoulder day. Well, guys, remember every single time you do any kind of pushing motion, you're also using that anterior delt. And so, you know, they, they work hand in hand. And so, you know, when you're working the chest and you're working the muscles in the anterior portion of your body, you're also working that particular area. So, so when you are doing chest, you are doing shoulders too. It's just, you're doing shoulders that are commonly overactive. And so you always want to think that's why those five kinetic chain checkpoints serve such a huge purpose. Perfect. And for those of you just joining us, I'm Marty Miller here with Wendy Batts on the Master Instructor Roundtable. And this week we're talking about closed chain shoulder exercises. And Wendy, to your point, I was you know teaching recently and the comment that I made is I don't train exercises, I train movements, or I don't train muscles, I train movements. So that's where we have to know, hey, if we just did a lot of shoulder flexion, are you going to do shoulder flexion in chest and then a day later do shoulder flexion in a shoulder exercise? Well, you, that's where you have to really take that into consideration. So great job at that point. Yeah. Well, then guess what? Slide number two, we're going to talk about some more muscles. <laughs> right. So I can pick up here if, sure. if you want from where we left off. So sometimes people don't really realize the, some of these muscles. And one that's jumping out to me is the lat, um, latissimus dorsi. It does have an effect on the shoulder. It is a you know, a lot of people think of it's a back only exercise. So it's an internal rotator. So if you have very tight lats, you're going to have that internal rotation of the humeral head, as you were mentioning, Wendy, and it does extension of the shoulder. So it has something to do with the shoulder for sure. Rhomboids, I think everybody knows the muscles that, you know, we need to probably have a little more strength in and muscle activation to keep us in better posture. Upper trap, mid trap, and lower trap, they all have their different roles. Some people have overactive upper trap and underactive middle and low trap. So the scapula and all the things around the neck and shoulder, you know, can kind of have that dysfunction biomechanically altered length tension relationships and altered joint arthrokinematics due to these relationships, not being ideal. And then also we have the levator scapula, which is a muscle deep within the neck that a lot of people, Wendy, you know, being a manual therapist, probably do a lot of work on the levator scapula. And then the last one is that push up with a press. I jumped ahead a little bit, but the serratus anterior, it has a huge implication on shoulder health. That's why we like getting our hands on the ground. So Marty, and I know you do a really good job, especially in our workshops when we start talking about the scapulothoracic rhythm. So I think that plays a huge part when we're talking about these muscles. So do you want to go in and talk a little bit about, I mean, obviously we've talked about degrees of freedom. And so we're talking right. the ball and socket, obviously the, the bone within that, that very shallow ball and socket, um, you know, joint. So can you talk a little bit about that too, before we get into, because I think it'll make more sense when we're talking about these pushups with pluses. I mean, yes, we're really focusing on the plus component, meaning the protraction side of it for the serratus anterior that's often weak. But, you know, I think sometimes we don't understand when someone's winging, meaning that their shoulder blades, when they're in a push-up positions and you can pick them up by their shoulder blades, we call that sometimes shoulder winging or, or they have wings like angel wings coming out, popping out of their back, which those should lie flat onto the, the rib cage. So when someone's in that position, you shouldn't see that elevation of the, of the shoulder blades. So can you talk a little bit about what that is before we move on? 
Sure. So I'll go to the first point about the, you know, what the scapular uh, humeral rhythm is and thoracic rhythm. So as I go move my arm, my shoulder, right? My humerus is not the only joint moving. My scapula has to go along for the ride, right? And it's connected to the thoracic part of my uh, spine. So it's not just this. Now, if you see someone who has poor scapulo thoracic and scapulohumeral rhythm, you'll see that the arm goes up, but it kind of, it's, it stops looking smooth and they just start hiking everything else. So for every degree that my uh, humeral head needs to go, it's two to one. So this will go two degrees, but my scapula has to go as well. So if my scapula is stuck on my rib cage and I try to get my humeral head going, you're going to end up in an impingement. You're going to end up having to change the way your body works. So those two bones have to move together in a two to one ratio. So the serratus anterior and other muscles play a key role. So the serratus anterior really helps keep the scapula in the right position. And if it's winging, it could have an upward migration, which means it's going to move into other bone structures. It's going to change the altered length tension relationships, definitely of the mid trap, low trap, rhomboid. You're going to have an overactive upper trap. So you, your scapula kind of gets stuck, doesn't move with the freedom it needs, but you try to get your arm above your head and then you're just going to be crushing that rotator cuff tendon. And I see this a lot because when do you know I travel a lot and everyone's trying to put their suitcase in their overhead and I'm I, like I'm like okay you would need my work you would need some work you would need I know. Very, I'm sorry but because of the posture and all that I'm not judging them as people they're phenomenal people but biomechanically <laughs> they just can't easily does regardless of the weight they can't easily just allow that arm to go above their head with good rhythm so that's where you know you'll see people it sometimes it's not even the weight it's just they physically can't get that range of motion due to that biomechanical change. And there's a handful of things that it could be. It's not just one, but when you don't have that, you're not going to want to put your arm above your head. Mm -hmm. Then eventually you'll become weaker. And then if you have to be in that position, you have to massively compensate or that's where you can have that injury. So yes, I see it on the airplane a lot. So that's my example. Yes. I get a lot. A heavy backpack, you know, like, like me, because heaven forbid I check luggage I mean, you know, you've got to think you've got a lot of weight on your back. So, of course, you're going to round forward. And and anytime that happens, you know, it really does impact what's happening at the shoulder capsule. And so when we go through and we start talking about some of these exercises and we add these certain, you know, components to the exercise, like the the add the plus and making sure that they've really good, good joint alignment and that, you know, you don't notice like forward heads you know, coming up, because again, guys, remember that sternocleidomastoid connects to the out, the clavicle and that bone should slightly rotate a little bit every time that shoulder moves. And when it's locked down too, it can also increase the impingement going on in the front of the shoulder. And so, um, you know, if your neck is really tight because you do that, have that forward head. So it's not even just the rounded shoulders, you know, that you're noticing, but that forward head, both of those can really, um, you know, cause some issues in the shoulder, which I know we've talked about shoulder <laughs> for multiple, um, you know, webinars in the past. And you should definitely go back because we talk a lot about the importance of, of making sure you have good alignment, but, but wanted to, to kind of just go through some of the basic things that we've talked about again. So when we talk about these closed chain exercises, you can kind of get, get some more ideas of what to do with your clients based on what you're seeing with them in the assessments. Excellent. There you go. Here we go. This one is one of my go-tos right away. So I know you want me to explain it. Would you like to jump in on this one? You, you can me. do it. Okay. So 
Now there are progressions and regressions, but we added the one with the rotation because we want to show a little bit more of the advanced version. But a push-up, because their shoulder flexion is a closed chain shoulder exercise, but it's also a closed chain total body exercise if done right. Right. So if you can't plank, you shouldn't be doing a push-up. So right, you, we would be moving through because you you know I, we can't. Everything's got to be perfect. So you're getting a total body stabilization throughout the core. But then as you're now coming out of the push-up, you go into that rotation. So you're getting thoracic rotation, which is good. But now you're having to stabilize on one arm. So closed chain is when that distal segment is fixed and um, the body is moving. So think of what the term that we use is co-contraction, right? If I'm doing just a shoulder dumbbell exercise, I may not get as much forced activation of other muscles compared to this position. So not saying, we're not saying not to do some of the dumbbell exercises and things like that. They have a place, but yes, you're doing chest, but you're also doing shoulder and you're also doing core. Like Wendy talked about at the beginning, chest and shoulders, there's some exercises that are still doing the same motion. So I love this one. I tend to go at, you know, use it for a stabilization phase, but you know, for some people that might be too challenging. So they may have to use it in a strength phase more of that two, zero, two but I really like that time under tension. Mm -hmm. And this is also a good dynamic warm up too. So, mm -hmm. you know, again, you are warming everything up and, and to Marty's point though, there are regressions. So even if you want someone to start adding in that, that rotation, because again, thoracic rotation, as we know with people, especially if they are rounded, their, their thoracic spine should be mobile and the lumbar and cervical should be more stable, but because unfortunately of the roundness of the shoulders and things are locked down and the weakness that's going on where the muscles aren't bringing the shoulder blades back, that thoracic spine sometimes becomes kind of, and I don't want to say locked up, but often it's not moving the way that it was intentionally or the way that it's supposed to, I guess. And so by adding that in too, you are working on, on muscles in areas that really need that movement. And so if you start even on the knees and did a push-up, then they can pop up on their toes when they get to the full push-up before adding the rotation. They can rotate nice and slowly, like you said, come down very slow, put both hands back on the ground, drop to the knees and then push up, then pop back up and then rotate to each side. And so, you know, there are different variations of doing these, as you said, I mean, this is an example even where they stack their feet so even if your client isn't ready for that, because if they stack their feet, they fall backwards or they fall over and they can't control that. Even if you left your feet side by side, again, shoulder to hip width apart, think about the five kinetic chain or chain checkpoints, and then you rotated, that's still getting that thoracic motion that Marty was just talking about. And so again, one of my favorites as well, I use it in a variety of places in my programming with different tempos for that exact reason. And you could do it off a of plyo box if need be and or a bench or a Smith machine to change the level. So you can still do it in a modified version by changing the angle. Yeah. So before we go on to the next exercise, for those of you that are joining myself, Marty Miller and Wendy Batts on the master tractor Roundtable, we are talking about closed chain shoulder exercises. So go yeah. back. If you're just jumping in, we talked about some anatomy, some scientific concepts, and now we're going to go into exercise number two of seven of our favorites. So Wendy, I'll let you jump in here on this one. So I put this kind of as a cluster because it was hard. I'm like, you know what, when we, when we talk about closed chain exercises, again, we're talking about, think about, you know, the, 
I always say kind of keeping the upper body more, like you said, fixed, meaning it's on the ground or it's on something that's not moving while your body's actually performing different movements. Because again, when you, especially when you're fighting gravity, you've got your body weight, you've got gravity and all your stabilizers have to control everything going on, especially if you're maintaining the proper five kinetic chain checkpoints. So I'm a big fan of the planks. And so, but again, Remember, when I talk about planks, I think about starting at phase one. So it's not about time. I don't care if you can hold it for a minute, because to me, when do you really hold the plank for a minute in life? I want to make sure that you can relax, contract, relax, contract, and your body knows when things should be firing appropriately. So again, coming up into a plank, holding three to five seconds, coming down, completely relaxing, re-engaging, and doing it for repetitions. And then again, as my client gets stronger, maintaining proper you know, drawing in, squeezing of the glutes, maintaining really good chin and neck alignment and making sure the shoulders are really trying to go into, you're adding that plus even in this position. So we're really, especially if they're wingers to try to get the, the serratus interior to, to um, activate and then going down. So again, it's, it's really trying to get things to work at the right time versus just doing this for time. And so again, big fan of the plank. Again, you can do a push-up high plank if somebody doesn't want to be on their forearms for whatever reason. Um, of course, the side plank. And in the example here, you can see that the lady has her arm up. The right arm is, is completely straight. She's actually reaching back. So again, working a little bit more on even more thoracic rotation of the, the arm that's, that's free, if you will. You can add a dumbbell if you wanted to have them do that. You could start in a plank and then add that rotation. So there's a lot of multiple ways to do side planks versus just a traditional side plank only. And then one of my favorites that I like to do, once I know that they can master the plank, I know that they have you know, good stability because we've been working on the stabilization of the shoulder capsule, then I like to do something called plank walks. And so they start into a, a traditional plank exercise then they will come up on like their left hand and then their right hand where they're in a high plank or a push-up starting position. And then they go back down and they may do, you know, seven or eight on each side or however many that I, I want them to do at that time. Again, maintaining proper alignment and everything. But as they come up, you want to make sure that their torso and everything can maintain proper alignment. And, and when they when they push up into that position, they add that plus from the start. So you can start to work on that scapulothoracic rhythm that Marty was just originally talking about, because that that is the you know, that's going to also help when they do their push ups because they're gaining the strength in that one particular area while just maintaining, again, great for the core, really good for the stabilizers, really good for, you know, working on, um, you know, the way that the shoulders are supposed to move. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. Just the only thing I would say is there's a lot of external stimuluses you can do. Just understand the why. What, am I doing it for the right reason or am I just doing it to make it Instagrammable? And <laughs> unstable environments for plank, you got to be careful. It's, you know, it, maybe some small instability, but it, again, it has to be that am I hitting my five kinetic chain checkpoints? Am I doing the right tempos? Am I in the right position? That is by far more important than kind of worrying about how chaotic you can make it chaotic that's really good i like it <laughs> and this kind of goes where it'd be a progression where someone might jump right to this because the person hasn't fallen off the stability ball but they're not perfectly under control so i'll, I'll kind of pick up from this one is everything wendy just said on that plank you have to be able to demonstrate it here first in the plank position before you'd ever think about doing a rollout 
So if you put somebody from the progressions that Wendy talked about with the plank and I put them on the stability ball thinking I might do a rollout and all of a sudden something changes, maybe it's just that might be the stimulus for now. But the progression would be to allow that ball to go away from the center of gravity under control as long as you're not faltering from those five kinetic chain checkpoints. Because if you do that, you're now not in the right position for the shoulder that we're talking about or the rest of the body as well, of course. So a rollout for somebody could be less than you see here. It could be an inch, then two inches, then three inches. It does not have to be to full, you know, elbow mm -hmm. extension like this. Uh, it looks like this individual's heading towards in a still photo. So I love this exercise. Changing the height of the ball, right, is going to make it more challenging the smaller the ball is because you have more of your body weight. So, you know, you think of that through. And there's nothing wrong to begin with of maybe making the stability ball up against something that's safe so you know they can potentially you know still have a little or you can hold it a little bit to give some stability if you're not in their way yeah and i, I mean and, and to your point marty it's not really how far out can they go the the most important is that they can maintain proper alignment and positioning especially again as you go up i mean so is this a progression from um a plank I mean, it can be a regression when you think about it, because like you said, you're not fighting as much gravity, but now you're on something unstable, which makes it more of a progress exercise. So it depends on how you want to look at it. And of course, as a trainer, we can add perturbation. You know, we can move the ball where they don't. They have to maintain proper alignment because, again, we're adding some outside forces of, of which way are we going to move the ball or just hit the ball or hit, hit the client. Even closing you know, their eyes, right? Yeah. And then but also when you go side to side and forward and back, you're still maintaining the integrity of the shoulder capsule and making sure that they're maintaining really good alignment and especially at throughout the shoulder blades because oftentimes people get very very tired because these muscles are very weak that they're going to start to collapse in their shoulder blades and if that happens you need to shut it down or regress it because that is not ideal and so again you're feeding into a compensation because once they start to to collapse in that position they're going to shrug their head's going to come forward and it gets really ugly um however if they can maintain proper alignment going forward and back and side to side adding the rotation is also very good because think about again we talk about degrees of freedom our shoulder moves we want to add that circumduction we want to make sure that it can move the way that it's intended to move as long as the integrity of the shoulder blades are good and so that's that's the key point there love it all right here we go exercise three. Oh, you switched it up on us here wendy so on this one the hands are on the ground now and the feet are on the ball so doing like that ball plank and you could start just with what you see at the top and maybe just doing some of the pluses depending on the control mm -hmm. if the person can't control the ball you can always move the ball closer to their center of gravity so there's progressions but in this version, this is not the easiest version. So we've kind of jumped a little bit, but that pike press or the ball pike is great um, because now as she goes closer to that, there's more load over the center of the, her gravity as it pushes down into her shoulder complex. So that's fabulous. So you're getting kind of a horizontal load at first, and then you're getting more of a vertical load. So it's changing what's going on in that position. If I had somebody doing this, the way I would train is I would have her do the plus at the top. Mm -hmm. then move to the pike and then try to do the plus as well to where she's trying to get her hips or doing like a reverse shoulder press in a sense because you're pushing the ground the ground's not going to move so as you push your body would go up so you're getting a plus in two different positions it would be phenomenal exercise so definitely not the easiest but there are ways you can break down these positions you don't have to start with the top and immediately go to number two with the bottom now 
Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things too. And another one that, that I can, you know, that I do often again with my clients and all to their own, just to kind of give you guys, you know, some other ways of thinking about this to Marty's point, you know, you can start with the ball, like actually on their stomach. So their hands are, are on the ground, they're fixed on the ground. You can have them walk out. So I do, you know, ball walkouts to get to that position of the starting position and then just walk back. And then see how their body handles that. Because again, that time under tension, making sure that the integrity of the shoulder is maintained, that is really challenging. Plus you're adding that walking, just like hopefully you've done in the plank walks. So their body is starting to get accustomed to that. And then once they get to this position, you know, they can maintain it. Also, maybe before you do this, go into some um, polar, you know, what they call what polar bear presses, like so, or push-ups. So basically it's almost like a, um, a pike, push up just to make sure too that they can they can do that that they don't get dizzy because again once they're on the ball you want to make sure too that the client can handle certain things and so there are certain maybe progressions and regressions you want to take before you go into this exercise i like this one personally because again think about what's happening at the shoulder complex think about what's happening throughout all of the muscles that we talked about in the beginning they're all having to um you know to to make sure you know too that their positioning is good but when they go into the pike that they can also handle the stability of the ball because it's it is a very challenging exercise especially if you slow things down and um and they have to have control and if their toes are up on the ball like they're supposed to be um then then it becomes even more challenging and it's something different so it's just fun that's why we threw it in there Couldn't but agree uh, i'm telling you so if those of you guys that are joining Marty Miller and myself, Wendy Batts, today on the Master Instructor Roundtable, we're talking about closed chain exercises. So basically, our our body is in more of a fixed position with our hands and stuff on on some stable or unstable surface, but it's actually in contact with something. And so so far, we've gone through the anatomy of the muscles. You know, that's important to really think about what it is that we're trying to activate and why. We always want to know the whys. Again, think about proper positioning of the shoulder complex. So Marty's gone over some thoracic um, or the scapulothoracic rhythm, why that's important because integrity of the shoulder complex is super important during these exercises. So we've talked about exercises such as the push-up with rotation, such an awesome one, different types of planks. We've talked about the push-up with a pike. Um, and now when we go into the next one, Marty, um, I did these today too. So yeah, slideboards are great. So depending on what tools you have, you can again be creative. So slide board initially to me was uh, more of a lower body exercise, kind of like the speed ladder, but people can hijack it and be creative. So here you'll see his head's in the right position. He's holding potentially an isometric pushup. Maybe he's doing a pushup and then sliding out a lot of different ways you can do it, but you're going to only slide as far as you can control without any of the kinetic chain checkpoints deviating from ideal. So you're getting two different things here at each shoulder, right? So you're getting that nice isometric on his left, and then you're getting some active closed chain. That's harder to do, not impossible to do. But as he moves it, he's completely closed chain the entire time. A lot of other exercises that are closed chain, when you go to move, you have to go from closed in one arm has to come up, like you might see in the speed ladder. So the pike was good where you're moving your body in both hands standing the ground but this is kind of a transitional closed chain exercise which is good something unique something different so you can do different range of motions you can go straight ahead in the flexion you can go out in the scapular plane some people can go out in the lat you know more lateral all kinds of different things you can do range of motion isn't the most important thing it's always going to be form and technique 
Mm -hmm. And I think it's important too, if you notice that your client has a low back arch or if their arms fall forward in the assessment process, this is definitely not the way to start. Um, because as they reach forward, they're going to arch their lower back. They don't have the strength or the actual length in the lat to do this one correctly. However, when you're, you're foam rolling, hopefully, and you're working on proper stretches to, to, to really um, get better range of motion, and you know that your client can do an overhead press without compensation, and you know that they have good um, mobility now in, in the frontal plane, um, you know, and, and sagittal plane, actually, just whether they're doing forward reaches or lateral raises, if they can do that, there's no pain. I mean, then, then, or just, you know, discomfort, I shouldn't say pain, but discomfort, then this is a really fun one to do because again, it does work a lot of the core. You are challenging the lats um, as well as obviously all the muscles within the rotator cuff. So yeah, I, I like this one a lot. Well done. This one I like a lot. Bear this, crawl. Is your, this is your thing. Well, again, there's a lot going on there if the person can do it. So one, you're getting some metabolic conditioning. I'm getting all the closed chain. I can go different planes of motion, but I'm also getting that big toe extension, Wendy, which I know, I know you care about. I so I can kind of get that in there as well. So I'll go with different tempos. I'll have them go forward. I'll have them go backwards. I'll have them go sideways. You could even do like an obstacle course where they're zigging and zagging. The key thing is that they don't collapse and they're always in that high position. Great for hip mobility as well. So there's so much good stuff going on. People have fun with it. And like I said, you can be so creative with the bear crawl. You absolutely can. I've got nothing more to add to that. When we were in Germany, we were trying to do these. And, and um, Ken Miller, who is another regional master instructor, was trying to have us hop, like hop in the bear crawls. It was right. hilarious because the things that, that you can do when you're creative, it, you know, it was fun. However, it was a disaster because people were not ready for that. We were just showing different progressions. And so luckily we owned it to show it because, again, if you can't do it, then don't. But um, just showed that there was a lot of ways to work up to very advanced bear crawls as well. Um, because I know with, with clients of mine too, and this is something that I think sometimes we take for granted, it's not just about body weight. I mean, we could do this as a dynamic warm up. We can really think about the, the obviously what's happening at the shoulder complex, the core, like you said, big toe um, extension, you know, like in hip, but you can also add resistance as well. And so, you know, putting a resistance band around someone's hips and then you're pulling one direction, they're going another, trying to maintain proper alignment. So a bunch of different fun ways of doing these. It's again, what is the purpose? And right now it's really talking more about the shoulder. And if there is dysfunction at the shoulder, start very, very basic, but then continue to work on the shoulder as it increases in strength by providing some of these ideas and then adding the proper progressions. Love it. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> no doubt. Now, do you want to take that one, the kick sits? Uh, you can take it. If we go back one slide. Um, yeah, the, the kick sits, I, I was introduced to them a lot in mixed martial arts. Like it does come from kind of a jujitsu background because it's the way you would get out of certain situations. But when you look at it, even if you have no background in that, your hands are supposed to be fixed. Sometimes you can take one arm, arm up, but if you can kick your leg through, Think about what's happening at your thoracic spine. You are getting a ton of rotation through the thoracic spine while you're pushing into the ground because part of it is you have to push in the ground to give yourself that room to clear your uh, leg through the other side. So you can Google or YouTube use uh, kick sits. You can go slow. And then eventually if you have that martial arts background, you're going 
pop, pop, pop back and forth for 30 seconds. And you can almost get one per second metabolically challenging, oh but dynamic. But I'm telling you for guys as who needs to increase thoracic rotation, you're going to be like in a good way. You're going to be like, okay, something's moving there because mm-hmm. it really does lock you down at the thoracic spine. And that's where you're going to start getting some really good motion and it's, it's great coordination. They're fun. Yeah, we did this a lot for quote my metabolic blast, and and I was introduced to not from mixed martial arts, but more from our friends at Zoo, um, who right. you know this is kind of like some of the the movements like animal flow type movements, um, and uh, we did it as a group. Actually, our NASM master instructors were in a um, workout with this individual, and we were dying. It was so fun, but um, but yeah, it was a really really good workout. Again, though. What's important is you start in a bear crawl, pretty much a bear crawl type position and to start and then you kick through. So you want to make sure that your client can maintain proper positioning. So when they're on their toes and they do kick through, they're going to be successful. So one one way of looking at it is this is more of a progression. And like you Mm -hmm. said, you want to make sure that you understand the starting and finishing position, which this is the finishing position. However, the lady that we're seeing in the red, she needs to open up her hip a little bit more on the right side. So again, there's easy ways to try to compensate and cheat doing these. So just make sure that if you've never done these correctly, that you look up the proper way of doing them. However, they're wonderful for the shoulders. And, and like you if said, you can keep that hip off the ground, her left, oof, yeah. it makes it harder. If you can keep that hip that's going through off the ground instead of collapsing. Yes. But again, if somebody has to set and reset, totally cool. Yeah. It's the way, it's the way you get good at it. so so if you guys are joining marty miller and myself wendy bats today on the master instructor roundtable we were talking about the importance of incorporating some closed chain shoulder exercises especially if you've noticed in the assessments that there is some compensation and dysfunction within the shoulder capsule and so again thinking about the stabilizers thinking about the muscles that make up the shoulder or attach to the shoulder or play a significant role in the integrity of the way that the shoulder's moving and you know um that's all super important and so hopefully if you guys got a chance to to follow us within you know throughout the entire webinar you gained some new maybe things to think about Um, When you are programming some exercises that you have taken for granted and not really thought about deeply, maybe you'll start incorporating those two um, into some of the the stuff that you're doing with your clients. But basically remember that your assessments are key. Your assessments are the blueprint that tells you what is appropriate for your client and where they're starting. Make sure there's a purpose and a rationale for each and every exercise that you do, because there's always the, well, why am I doing this? Like, I, why, why? And you always want to know that why, other than like my mother used to say, because I said so, you want it to be something that's a little bit more um, scientifically based, definitely have progressions and regressions um, where needed. And then always think about the model. Think about your acute variables. Think about the purpose of everything that you're doing. Start slow, then add motion as long as, like Marty said, they, they have owned the right to do a progression uh, properly. Couldn't agree more. And all those phases of training, a lot of these exercises will fit right in. So why don't you give her these great people your contact information? Yeah. If you guys have any questions about what Marty and I have talked about, you have some ideas or you want us to actually do a specific webinar on a topic that you're just curious about, always feel free to shoot those ideas and thoughts over to Marty and myself. So you can email me um, at wendy.bats at nasm.org, or you can always find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13. And my information will pop right up here. So my Instagram is 
dr.martymiller72 and then email marty.miller at nesm.org. So Wendy, thanks for uh, thinking of this great topic. It was fun putting it together with you. And for all of you that joined us today, we hope you found this information helpful and we definitely look forward to seeing you again next week. 